The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. All right, good morning, OPCC. Uh, let's give a hand of praise again for the volunteers, the band, Brittany. Man, it's good stuff. Um, super excited to see all that the Lord is doing here uh, at the church. Brittany, nice job. Where are you, Brittany? I can't. Oh, man. What? Dang, I thought I'd get a hooty hoot out of the audience somewhere. No wonder I didn't. Um, Well, good morning to you guys. Uh, I am Shay Haddock. For those of you that do not know me, I'm an associate pastor here on staff. Excited to be preaching and bringing the word to you guys the next two weeks. Uh, You heard me right, the next two weeks. Our beloved Jimmy uh, is right now probably on a plane uh, back from Virginia. Right, Abby? I guess he's he's flying back, so... Uh, really cool, Jimmy's had an opportunity to, um, you know, he's on a, a hunting show, um, I guess we could officially call Jimmy a professional bow hunter, and so he's had an opportunity to go and uh, bring the word to the outdoors community across the country, and so there's a few weeks this spring um, that, that Jimmy, he, like he, his show had aired um, last week, his, er, not last week, last year, uh, his most recent show. Uh, and it was really cool, like uh, on the Outdoor Channel, it's uh, Matthew's Dominant Bucks show. And they were uh, highlighting, you know, that Jimmy uh, is a pastor of a local church in Overland Park. And they kind of did this life segment on Jimmy while uh, they were airing the show about him bow hunting and chasing big bucks in Kansas. And it was really cool, man. Like the, there were so many men that reached out to Jimmy because of that episode. I mean, he was flooded with emails uh, uh, from uh, people that were just a word of support. Hey, man, I'm excited to hear that, um, you know, not only do you love bow hunting, but, man, you love Jesus even more, man. Your life exudes that of Jesus Christ, and the fact that you get to bow hunt is just a bonus, and you use that as a platform to reach people for Christ. And so uh, the outpouring of support for Jimmy has been really, really cool, and so that's what Jimmy is doing for those of you wondering where he is uh, this week or next week. Um, he is sharing a word uh, to uh, some banquets uh, and, and some outdoor um, events. And in fact, next Sunday, I think he'll be preaching at a local Baptist church in Georgia. So uh, be lifting Brother Jimmy up in prayer as he brings the word uh, cross-country. So anyway, I think that's really, really cool uh, and a nice update. So Jimmy, we're, we're praying for you, buddy, um, and excited for what God is doing in your life. Today, uh, we are going to talk about strongholds. Uh, I sat with the Lord for several weeks, and Jimmy and I did, and wondered, man, what are we going to speak on? I know you guys have been with us in the Dear Church series, right? And we're like, we're like, wait a minute, man, I thought we'd been in the Dear Church series in Ephesians, right? Man, what the heck? I, I was coming ready to talk about the armor of God, man. I was, had my sword, and I had my shield, and my helmet of salvation, and wait a minute, man, like, what, what's going on here? And so you'll have to wait for that. Uh, That will be in three weeks. Jimmy will close out uh, our series in Dear Church in chapter 6 of Ephesians, which I'm kind of jealous, man. I wish I was preaching that series. I love Ephesians 6. But what's neat is, as I was sitting and preparing for the Lord to uh, settle my heart on what word he wanted to bring with you guys today, and he said, man, we need to talk about strongholds. And I think um, it kind of tees up closing out that Dear Church series in Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God and how important it is 
uh, to understand and be aware of the battle it is that we are facing in life. And so I want to start out with you guys and just define strongholds. Like, it's a Christian word. Like, we hear it. Like, okay, strongholds. It sounds pretty Christian, you know. Uh, what is it? Um, and Dr. Eric Mason, love this guy. If you don't know who Eric Mason is, man, you need to YouTube Eric Mason and listen to a message or two of him, man. This guy will get you pumped up to follow the Lord. Uh, an incredible gifted pastor. Him and his wife started Epiphany Fellowship in downtown Pitts, uh, not Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia. And uh, anyways, he says, it I thought he said it best. A stronghold is a mindset, a value system, or a thought process that hinders your growth. I will repeat, a stronghold is a mindset, a value system, or a thought process that hinders your growth. He also called it a stubborn disposition. I thought that was also very fitting. And so, um, what you know, he also said, um, I also heard in another commentary, that a stronghold can be defined as anything that competes with Jesus in our life. Anything that competes with Jesus in our life is a stronghold. I like to see it as lies. That's exactly what strongholds are. They're lies. They are walls that Satan has built up around our lives that keep us from experiencing the fullness of the life of Christ in us. And so, um, and, and I, I, if you could picture for a moment with me just this wall, like, and brick by brick, it is you, it's like, so, I'll, let me back up. I, I'm, as many of you know, I'm, I'm going on this new uh, endeavor with my business, right? I had a, a successful career with the General Electric Company, and, and I kind of missed the general from time to time, but I'm going out and selling land, right? I'm in the land business, okay? And uh, so, I'm kind of picturing, like, as I was going out and traveling with potential clients and other agents, I'm learning the business, and I'm going, you know, I was up clear near the Iowa border last week and uh, was on a piece of ground out there, beautiful place, and I was thinking, like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more about um, trespassing and possessions, and, like, you know, when I'm on a piece of ground, I'm like, man, there's somebody that owns this land, right? Like, this is a piece of land that is owned by somebody I am touring this property by way of permission, right? Like I have to call the listing agent, make sure that I have a key or an access code to open the gate and to drive my truck or four-wheeler around on the property and show this to a client, right? Otherwise, I'm trespassing and I don't have any business being on this property. So is true for our life. Think about your life as a piece of ground, piece of land, valuable land. You may have, you know, many guys that own land, like that's all, that's all they have. They don't have a $20 bill in their pocket, but they got a 300-acre piece of ground, right? It's valuable. And that's the same is true for us. Like what we have, the most valuable thing that we have is our relationship with Jesus Christ and the fullness that comes from knowing and growing in him, period. And so think about you've got this land, right? And this is kind of where my head was at while I was preparing for this message. And I was like, all of a sudden, like, what if I started building a wall, like, on your piece of land? Like, Terry, man, I'm down there in Lewisburg, and one by one, man, I'm just bringing cinder blocks in on your property, man. I'm busting through your gate. Man, I'm putting cinder blocks up. Start one by one. You may not even notice at first, right? Man, and then here they come, dude. Day after day, week after week, man, I'm putting cinder blocks, bricks, pillars, steel. Next thing you know, man, I got a building built and a, a fortress and a moat that I'm digging in on your property, man. And that's what Satan does to us through strongholds. They are lies, man, and they produce fear, and they produce worry and doubt, 
I look at it, this is point number one for you guys. This will lead me straight into point number one. Sin, fear, lack of faith, doubt, and this is the most important probably, the last one here. A worldly outlook on life are all strongholds. Man, if some of you that should cut really deep. It does for me. Let me explain to you why. In this endeavor, this land uh, pursuit here, you know, I've left a, a, a well-seasoned career in my youthful age at a great company. And, I, you know, God said, man, I'm calling you out. Like, you're going to do something different. You're going to go sell land. You're going to be an associate pastor at the local church. You're going to come behind Jimmy and Abby, and you guys are going to support them and love on them and help th- get involved in what the Lord is doing here at the local church, which we call OPCC. And I said, great. You know, I was all enthused, and I'm like, cool, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm surrendered, blah, blah, blah. Well, I may not have been so surrendered because in a few, as I started evaluating, well, what's this going to take, you know? Uh, To give you an example, um, health insurance became a wall that Satan had built up on my property that I didn't even know was there. He must have been building it on the back corner, and I must have not been paying very much attention. But... It was, you know, this idea that, oh, man, like, right, you know, a few months ago with GE, they comes right out of my check. I paid 280 bucks a month, you know, a wife and three kids, one on the way, no problem. Pay a little bit of money for health insurance. They cover the rest. I pay a little premium at the doctor, the hospital, whatever. It's cool, right? Not anymore. $1,500 a month for health insurance, right? Some of you guys out there know what I'm talking about. If you're self-employed or don't work for a company or what, man, health insurance isn't cheap. And so... You know, at, at first I was all gung-ho, Lord, I will serve you, Lord, I will do whatever it takes, you know, like, I'll leave my job, no problem, I'll give the company car back, they can have that Malibu, I'd rather drive a truck anyway, you know, and, uh, but the truth is, I wasn't surrendered, there was a stronghold built up in my life, I had fear around, oh, Lord, like, what, what how am I going to pay $1,500 a month for, for, uh, Health insurance. I already got a fourteen hundred dollar a month rent payment, you know, and I got a five hundred dollar truck payment. What the heck am I going to do, you know? And a fear creeps in, doubt creeps in. I have a worldly outlook on what my life is supposed to look like. If I were to go to Edward Jones Investments, sorry for any of you if you were for Edward Jones in here, but he would tell me, Shay, this is probably a bad idea. You got a pregnant wife, and you have a truck that's paid for, and you know, you you. You should probably reconsider this, this whole life move, this career change that you're considering. And, and fear and, and doubt creeps in. This, it was a stronghold, a wall that Satan had built up on my property that was keeping me from the fullness of what God had in store for Shea Haddock's life. And so, it, you know, it took prayer. It took encouragement from other men of God in my life. And it took um, a, cor- a courageous spirit that I know the Lord planted in me to bust out, go out there and knock that wall down and say, that's, that's crap, Satan. It, you know, God says, Shay, I've called you to this. I want you to be an associate pastor. I want you to go sell land. I want you to take some steps into the next phase of life that I have for you. And I want you to do it boldly and courageously. And here I was going, but health insurance. And the Lord says, no, but I've called you to it. And I said, but, but the health insurance. No, Shay, I have something really awesome in store for you. No, but Lord, that, that health insurance is real. You know, I, it was a wall. I couldn't get past it. And so I want you guys to consider today, where, what fears do you have? Like, where are you lacking faith in your life to move forward into whatever it is that the Lord has called you to? 
I don't have a clue what that is. I'd love to hear about it. But a stronghold, again, I'm going to repeat, is a sin, a fear, a lack of faith, a doubt, or a worldly outlook on life. We all struggle with it. I'm just giving you guys an example of the life insurance thing. Like, what a weak little thing. Like, God was calling me to something so cool, so unique, uh, so life-giving, and I didn't want to do it because I was hung up on one little thing. So, um, this is what the Word says. Let's, let's dig straight into the Word here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6 says this. This is a really familiar verse for, you, for, for those of you that, that have spent any time in the New Testament. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I love that. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And I won't preach Jimmy's message for him in Ephesians 6, but you can see how this is so important to understand what battle you are facing. My battle was not with the health insurance company. My battle was with the devil himself and his, his demonic angels who don't sleep, by the way, they, day and night, the Bible says they are crouching at the door, waiting to consume you. Like you have got to know who your enemy is. And for me, it was not the health insurance company, okay? I needed to recognize that Satan had built a wall on my property that was brick by brick laid with lies. I was believing that what God was calling me to was not possible apart from what Shay could manufacture on his own. That is a lie. And that was going, if I would have continued to live in that, I would have continued to have been encamped in bondage, not ever stepping into the freedom that God has called me to. Let me give you an example. This week, man, this was so cool. I've got a friend of mine. He, I don't know if he's here or not. I would love to have seen him here, but his name is Chris. Man, I love this guy. You know what's cool is, you remember me telling you about those emails that Jimmy was getting after his show was aired and people were emailing him, encouraging him? Chris was one of the guys that emailed him. He said something to the tune of, hey, Jimmy, my name is Chris. I live right down in Stillwell, Kansas, which is where Molly and I live. Man, I saw your show. I was super encouraged. Just wanted to let you know, man, keep it, keep it going, and hopefully we can meet up sometime soon. Well, anyways, Chris and I uh, and Jimmy and a few other local guys that had reached out, we all had an archery shoot at my house in my backyard last year before hunting season. We'd never met these guys. Jimmy just said, man, I don't know what the Lord's up to. I just got all these emails after my show aired, and a bunch of guys just want to get together and shoot their bows. And so I smoked a big old thing of brisket and set up targets in my yard, and we were all shooting and talking about hunting season and this and that. And this guy, Chris, shows up. Really encouraged, man. He was a nice guy, and his, he brought his sons with him. And one of his sons had cerebral palsy. And I was like, well, man, that's, that must be difficult, you know? Like, I don't know what that's like. I praise the Lord. I've got three beautiful, healthy kids, and, man, I don't know what that's like, you know. And Chris's son, man, you guys should pray for him. He's getting ready to have a surgery where they literally break both of his legs, twist them and turn them, and put rods in there so the kid can walk straight, you know. And, and so Chris sent me a text today, or I'm sorry, this week, and he said, hey, brother, how's it going, man? I want to do lunch with you. I said, hey, man, things are great. Uh, let's, let's do lunch, you know. So we went over here to Coquia, 
And he told me, he said, hey, man, my, they told me that I'm getting ready to lose my job. You know, I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to be fired. Um, and, you know, he said, I've been, I've been here 20, 22 years. You know, I'm a little concerned, you know. And what was awesome was because I had just got through walking in this transition from a secure, comfortable, uh, easy job situation into this new, unknown, very uncertain place, right? I'm, I'm right in the middle of that transition. I was able with, with joy and boldness to say, dude, congratulations. He's like, what? He was like not expecting that. He was expecting me to have a worldly outlook on life. He was expecting me to tell him, oh, my God, man, I'm so sorry, dude. Oh, my God, I'll be praying for you, man. Oh, my God, dude, I don't know how you're going to make it, man, but I'll be thinking about you. That's, that's baloney, man. That is weak, lousy, donut faith. Like, I'm excited that God is going to do a special work in this man's life. Like, if he's getting fired at his job, praise the Lord. That means God has something new for him. Like, if he's been sitting in an office with people for 20 years and, you know, it's spiritually stagnant, according, you know, to, to what he had shared with me, there was no spiritual movement. They couldn't see, I couldn't, he couldn't tell me that there was any fruit that the Lord was bearing in that situation. Man, that's great. Get out of there. Like, mature, grow in your faith. I was encouraging him, not, you know, not in a, in a down way, man. I, I could just tell the Lord had given me a boldness to say, Chris, dude, this is exciting. Like, man, start thinking about what you might want to do. Start praying about what, how the Lord wants to use you. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about your health insurance like I did. Trust me, I just spent three months in bondage to health insurance, you know. Get over that, man. Like, just get out there and be excited about what the Lord may do with you, and don't live in the bondage of the fear or the lack of faith or the doubt. That is a stronghold, and that is exactly what we're preaching about today. Just think about what are the walls that have been built up in your life. Man, I could tell when Chris left Kokia, man, he, he's not a lovey-dovey guy. He's kind of straight, sticks to the rules, you know. He, you know, if you go to give him a, give him a bro hug, he's kind of like, hey, man, you know, like he's up, you know. But man, he was like, he put his arm around me and he said, thank you, man. I, did, I needed to hear that. If I would have given him a worldly outlook on life and just gotten right down there with him, being like, oh, down and out with him, man, that, I would have offered him no hope. He would have been absent of hope leaving Kokia. And what a worthless witness I would have been. I would have paid for his lunch. That's the best I had to offer him, right? If I didn't tell him that Jesus had a plan for his life. Psalm 20, verse 7, hold please, all right, Psalm 20, verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I repeat, Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Um, I think you got Psalm 142 coming up here in just a second. I'm going to go ahead and read that as well. When my spirit, this is David in a cave, okay? Yeah, there we go. This is David in a cave, all right? This is not King David high on, a, high on a throne in Jerusalem, okay? This is King David in a cave, okay? When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, this is Psalm 142, verse 3 through 5. Then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Translation, they have built a wall on my property, Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge 
has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. The great Charles Spurgeon said this, man, and I quote, Caves make good closets for prayer. Their gloom and solitude are helpful for devotion. Only if David prayed as much in his palace as he did in his cave, he may not have seen what destruction brought him late in life through the stumbling in sin. It's so important. King David did not spend a whole lot of time in prayer when he was high on the throne. I wonder if some of you today are high on the throne in life. Finances are good. You got lots of friends. House might be paid for. Who knows? I don't know what your circumstances are. I'm thankful for them regardless. But if you're high on the throne, if I'm preaching here about challenges and darkness, I'm up here teaching about David in a cave, and you're like, man, I'm not in a cave. I'm in air conditioning, an OPCC. Think about where you are spiritually. And, and if you're high on the throne, so to speak, like David, man, you need to be on your knees as if you were in a cave. Because the enemy, going back to what we said earlier, crouches at the door, man. He never sleeps. And if you're high on the throne, man, that's how David entered into sin when he looked about on, upon Bathsheba and saw how beautiful she was bathing, and he, and he went into her, right? And sin was born. And that was, it created a ton of destruction in David's life. And so point number two, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for the video team if I uh, got them out of order here. Point number two, where we run often leads us into further captivity, those who run to the world will find that they run, uh, where they find what they run to will end up running them. Let me explain. There are so many things that we can run to to get away from our strongholds and get away from our fears. I, I can sit on the couch and watch hunting and fishing shows for hours, man. Like, I am old school lazy redneck, okay? If I do that, I, it will end up running me. I will spend all my money on hunting decoys when I'm Molly. I will spend every ounce of time looking for shed antlers in the woods. I will do things. Talking about hunting and fishing, like, you, you know, you guys, you guys may be saying, well, Shay, are you talking about hunting and fishing is a sin? No, hunting and fishing is not a sin. But if it's where I run to for hope, if it's what I, if it's the cave that I am, you know, finding myself in, then yes, it is. It's a stronghold. The enemy has built up lies in my head that all I need is one more big buck on the ground and things will be okay in my life. All I need is to catch that state record largemouth bass and, and somehow I will have hope for my future and for my family. It's a lie. And so where you run will often lead you into further captivity. Those who run to the world will find what they run to will end up running them. Some of you, it's alcohol. Some of you, it's prescription drugs. Some of you, it's pornography. Some of you, it's bad friends. There are friends in here, folks. There are people that you spend time with in your daily lives that you call friends that really are probably no friends at all. They will drag you into things that do not uh, draw you closer to the person of Jesus Christ. And I say that in love. I have friends, man, that I love these people, and you can still love them without indulging with them. Okay, so I'll just, I'll, that, that's a whole other sermon, but I'll leave it at that. Um, let, let, let's get straight to, let's see, 
I wish there was a way to turn off the little lock thing on here. I got seven minutes. Let's get straight to point number three. And, and point number three is uh, my last and final point and the, um, and the big idea. Breaking down strongholds begins and ends with an encounter with God. Like, it's that simple. Breaking down strongholds begins and ends with an encounter with God. I may have shared this with you guys before. I don't know if I have or not, but I'm going to re-preach it anyway because it's such an important place in my life. Like, it, if I were to think through strongholds in my life, that health insurance was a funny little example. Very true, very relevant to the topic today, but not nearly as heavy was that three-year season of my life where anxiety was swallowing me alive. I, I had spent three, I had made three trips to the emergency room with, with, with a self-diagnosed heart attack. I, I, I would run in there, man. I would run into the, into the emergency department. And there's a guy over there with a broke leg, you know, and there's, a, there's an elderly woman over there hacking up her lungs. And I said, I am having a heart attack. I need some assistance right now. Like, I'm telling you. And they're like, sir, how old are you? 24, and I'm having a heart attack. They're like, that's unlikely, sir. I'm like, well, it's happening, okay? They said, sir, take a ticket and have a seat, you know, and chill out. You don't understand. I'm in here because I can't chill out, okay? I'm freaked out. I am anxious. I'm worried, nervous. I think I'm having a heart attack. Hook me up on one of those treadmill thingies, you know? But it was real. And um, I, I'll never forget when I was with GE driving back. Molly was, I think she was pregnant with our second child, Joshua. We had had our first one, Gabriel, already. And I don't even know, like, how this started happening, but I started just feeling anxiety for the first time in my life. And I was driving back from a hospital in, in, in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and we lived in northwest Arkansas up near Rogers. And I remember driving in the car, and I'm in the suit and tie, and uh, some of you know this story, some of you don't, but I'm like, Man, it was the fear and the anxiety, the strongholds in my life were so overwhelming. Like, I was so worried about money. I was so worried about how, like, this deal was going to go at work. Like, I really wanted it to close. I was so worried about how people were going to, you know, view me. Uh, and, like, I didn't want people to think that I was an anxious person. I wanted to be a strong, courageous, bold Christian man. And here I was just weak and wounded, and, and broken, and, and that was creating even more anxiety in me. And then I started feeling physical manifestations of anxiety, and I'd get nervous about that. And I'm like, crap, man, I can't, oh, my chest is tight, and my hands are sweaty, and I'm like, I'm falling apart. You know, and I, I remember getting out of the little Chevy Volt in Conway, Arkansas, man, and start sprinting down the highway because I was freaked out. I didn't know what else to do. And I could remember, man, I was hearing voices of the enemy saying, man, just swerve, dude. Just go ahead and kill yourself, man. Just swerve, dude. There's a, there's a, a median right there. There's a tree right there. There's a bridge column right there. These are real, man. The enemy, right? Like, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, man. Like, I was at war. The enemy was at war with my life. And I just had to sit in it. But I, a lot of what was bringing about fear in, in my life was a lack of trust in the Lord. It was a lack of faith. I was not trusting 
God to take care of that deal, whether I closed it or not. I was not trusting in God to handle a new baby or the health insurance or whatever it was that I was dealing with at the time. And what I had done was let the enemy build a cinder block camp on my property to the point where I was not even welcome in my own spot. And so I share that with you. Um, that it be breaking to point number three, breaking down strongholds begins and ends with an encounter with God. I'll never forget. I came home that night and I told Molly, she said, how was your day, honey? You know, real sweet and encouraging. I said, it was awful. I ran down highway seven in Conway and dress slacks in a sport coat, just sprinting. She's like, for what? I'm like, I don't know. I was just freaked out. I was running. I was scared. And I, the only thing I could do was get out of the car because I was scared of myself. I was going to do something stupid. She said, oh, man. She knew I was wrestling with some things. But she turned on a song on YouTube, and we just sat there in the floor, and I wept. I got on my knees, and I said, God, I'm sorry. I don't, God, I know you're not punishing me. This is not, God does not punish us. He'll give us some spankings from time to time. Don't you worry. If God gives you a spanking, you smile because it's for your best interest. But he does not punish us, okay? And so I was sitting there saying, God, you are good. I know you were good. And I was started to claim the promises of the word. I started preaching scripture to myself. I let my wife it, with, with sound mind pour into me, right? The Bible says, I don't exactly know what verse it is, but it's in there, that, that, that God does not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind, right? I was not of sound mind, man. I was, I was losing it. I had no sound mind. But I let my wife, who was solid, in that moment, the Holy Spirit, through her, preached the Word of God into my life and that I could get back on solid ground. My mind could be sound once more, that I could have love for Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, when you're hurting, when you are scared, it is hard to love Jesus. It's hard. And sometimes it takes discipline. And sometimes it takes people around you to remind you how much He loves you. And so I think that's why Paul says, don't abandon the gathering of yourselves. Don't get away, man. Don't isolate yourself from the people of the Lord, man. You will get rolled. In this six months in my life when I was dealing with anxiety the most, we had abandoned the church. I thought I could do church myself. How stupid is that? But I thought it, and I was getting rolled, man. I was a sheep that had kind of gotten wandered from the, from the flock, and I had a pack of wolves on me like a swarm of bees. And so I'm going to leave us with that uh, sermon-wise, man, that, that breaking down strongholds begins and ends with an encounter with God. I remember sitting in that living room with that YouTube song on, a worship song, pouring my heart out to the Lord, just begging him to fill me with the promises of God. And he did. And slowly but surely, you know, uh, I started overcoming fear. I started overcoming anxiety in my life. I truly believe that God used that, though, to minister to other people in my life. Like, I had an experience with anxiety and fear, and I know how real it is for other people. And so now I can stand up here confidently and tell you that you can overcome fear, and you can overcome anxiety, and that those are strongholds in your life, and that God is greater. I can say that because I've been there. And that's encouraging, that God would use me, a weak person, somebody who's running into the ER with panic attacks, can be up here telling you guys that there is hope found in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.
www.overlandpark.cc.